Welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave Betts, and together with my wife, Shereya, we're going to explore all the things that make our faith what it is. From looking at the big picture of the Bible to exploring the tough questions that might be getting in the way of your relationship with God. We're not going to use unnecessarily churchy language, and we're not pretending that we have all the answers. And the best bit? We'll never take more than 30 minutes of your time each week. We want to keep it simple and hopefully have some fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Today, we take you through our four-step process to answer the question, how do we interpret the Bible? Well, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood today in Red Deer, Canada, and we are on to episode eight of the Simple Faith podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with us. If you've made it this far, if you're new, we are so glad that you're here. And today we're looking at the question, how do we interpret the Bible? Shreya, what comes to your mind when we ask that question? How do we interpret the Bible? Well, what I think is, isn't the Bible already interpreted? What I mean is, obviously, the Bible was written in a different language, and now it has been interpreted into English or whatever language we speak or read so that we can understand it. So why do we need to know how to interpret the Bible when it's already been interpreted, I guess? What does it mean to interpret the Bible for ourselves? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. You know, we've spent the last six episodes looking at a series called The Bible's Big Picture, and we've walked through the broad narrative of the Bible precisely to learn how to interpret the Bible, understanding the culture, understanding the the times, the the language idiosyncrasies, the unique things that, that are in the language of the time, if Hebrew, Greek, and a little bit of Aramaic, understanding Hebrew poetry and prophetic utterances and parables and all that stuff helps us to to take what we're reading, the words in the pages of our Bible, and kind of make sense of what it's saying. Because sometimes we read some stuff that just doesn't make sense. Uh, I can think of a few examples. You know, we, we, we often use that, that phrase, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I hear it all the time, uh, particularly amongst people that wouldn't call themselves Christians. They say, oh, it's okay. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And you think, actually, well, that's not really what Christians believe because you also have to think about the fact that Jesus said, we need to turn the other cheek as well. It's not about getting your own back on someone. Or can you think of any examples, Sharia? I don't know. I think of the, maybe this is an interpretation problem, but I think of money being the root of all evil when it, it talks about the love of money being the root of all evil. Or I don't know. I think people end up having a misguided understanding of, of what Christians believe because there was poor interpretation, I mm. suppose. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, interpreting the Bible is understanding what the Bible is saying within the context of the rest of the Bible. But that's probably at its most simple. Making sure that we're taking what the Bible really intends to say, not just what we want to make it say. So money is a really great example. There's something called the prosperity gospel where people say, well, if you just have enough faith, then you're going to be rich. You're going to fly around in private jets. And, and that's what we call heresy. It's bad because it's teaching something that the Bible doesn't really mean. And often the way that people arrive at that conclusion is by taking a verse out of context and teaching something that just isn't right. So with that said, let's delve into the question, how do we interpret the Bible?
before we start talking about biblical interpretation, I do just want to take a quick moment to acknowledge a mistake that I made last week. I was talking about the synoptic gospels and I referred to John as the synoptic gospel, which is incorrect. John isn't a synoptic gospel. Matthew, Mark and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. So apologies for that little mistake. It's important that we point out those mistakes that we make and thank you to the listener who sent us an email and let us know that's really helpful we genuinely really appreciate that so thank you for that so let's talk about biblical interpretation in bible school the word for this was hermeneutics and i have to be honest with you i i couldn't stand it i love our bible school and i love our professors but the word hermeneutics for me is not good i think it's redundant I would prefer to use the word biblical interpretation or the interpretation of God's word. I know that there are contexts where the word hermeneutics is is good, but this is not one of them. So let's try and avoid using overly intellectual words just for the sake of it, because we don't want to confuse people. So we're just going to call it biblical interpretation from now on. We want to propose that there's a four-step process to interpreting the Bible. That four-step process goes like this. So observation, interpretation, correlation and application. So you want to kind of be asking yourself these questions as you go through. So observation, what does it say? Interpretation, what does it mean? Correlation, how does it fit? And application, how can we apply it? So those are the four steps when you're reading through a passage or a verse that can be really helpful. Yep. And we don't want to tell you that this is the only way to interpret the Bible. We are not saying that. We are just saying that this is a a method that has been really helpful for us. Uh, We also want to emphasize as well that without the Holy Spirit guiding you, it's going to be really difficult to interpret a Bible passage. We, We know that. We're not sidestepping that in any way, but we're talking about a practical way to study the Bible under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about those things. Observation, interpretation, correlation, and application. By the way, if those words are confusing for you, because we're saying them very quickly, head to simplefaithpodcast.com where you can download some resources and you can get the show notes. So let's talk about observation. The question, what does it say? Now this is where we are looking at first glance. We're not consulting commentaries. We're not consulting concordances and things like that. All we're doing is looking at first glance to try and get the overall message of the passage. So one thing I like to do during this phase that you might find helpful, you might not, is I like to copy and paste the passage into a Word document and squash it down so the columns are really big and double space it so there's lots of space. And I scribble all over the passage. So I'll, I'll underline certain words, I'll circle certain sentences or highlight certain things. I'll write all sorts of notes about questions I have or comments that are really I think are really interesting and that's how it works for me. That's I find that phase really helpful because then you start to kind of internalize that passage. And don't just read the passage once. Read it again and again and again, maybe as many as 10 times before you start looking at uh, other sources. It helps us to really get to grips with the passage and not just regurgitate what other people are saying. And there's a number of questions we can ask. Yeah, some questions that you might want to ask yourself as you're going through the observation phase is just who, what, when, where, and how questions. So who is it about? What's happening? When is it happening? Where is it happening? And things like that. So you might want to just ask lots of those questions while you're going through. Yep. So the observation phase is just... It's just that. It's observation. It's not definitive fact. It's it's you looking from your point of view and saying, what do I think this passage is saying? What genre is the passage? So that will help you to 
understand what the passage is saying, recognizing whether it's a parable or whether it's poetic or prophetic or whether it's a metaphor or historical prose. Obviously, that will influence what you're reading. So when Jesus says that he's the door or the bread of life, he's not saying that he's literally those things. When in the Psalms, it talks about finding refuge in the shadow of God's wings. It doesn't mean that God literally has wings. God is not a giant winged beast with a door for a face and loaves of bread for hands. That's not the God we serve. And if we were to take every passage of the Bible literally, that would be a picture of the God that we would come to. So it's okay to ask questions during this phase, to see what you can and observe what you can, and just to ask those questions. You don't have to answer them now. You can take note of them for the next phase. So that is when we get to the interpretation phase, which is a really crucial and often underused phase. This is where we say, but what does it actually mean? Not just what we think it means, but what does it actually mean? This is a really critical phase because this is where you want to look at the general principles, the main points, uh, what the author is actually saying. So it's so easy to sometimes put our own opinions um, into verses or, or take what we want out of it. But we need in this process or in this stage to be looking at what it's actually saying and not what we want it to be saying. Yeah, this is where we leave our denominational or cultural biases at the door. And we, like Sharia said, we don't make it say what we want it to say. We look to see what the Bible is actually saying. It means being honest about a verse, even if we don't like it. Remember, if you truly believe that the Bible is the word of God, like we do, then the Bible is never wrong. It's inerrant. There are no mistakes in it. It means that if there's something that we don't like, it's usually our hearts that need to be changed. We don't just read a passage and go, nah, don't really want to follow that. That's the, the wonder and the beauty, but also the challenge of reading the Bible at times. It means that our hearts have to be checked. So once we've done that, we want to get to grips with the structure of the passage. What is the the kind of the flow of the passage? What is the flow of argument if we're reading a letter? Or what is the flow of the story if we're reading a parable from Jesus? And then we want to ask those questions or find the answers to those questions that we asked in the observation phase. Yeah, so those who, what, when, where, and how questions, we can start to answer those. So who is the audience? Uh, who's the author? What is the historical and political setting of the passage? And that's going to help us understand the context, which is really important. So understanding those things shape how we read the passage. Reading it with a 21st century Western mindset will, help, will force us to misunderstand a culture that is thousands of years old. Things like the types of houses and their agricultural practices. So for example, Esther in the threshing room floor or you know, marriage customs or legal transactions or labor practices and even the role of slavery itself at the time. We need to understand those things from the culture of the day, not the culture of today. And considering these kinds of things helps us to understand problems like how could men lower a man through a roof of a house in Mark 3? So in order to find the answers to these questions, we would recommend commentaries, Bible commentaries, Bible encyclopedias, atlases, and things like that. They're really helpful to get to the bottom of a passage. Uh, remember, if you take one thing from this phase, don't just take your interpretation or a person's word for a theological or interpretational position unless you can clearly see it confirmed in the Bible yourself. So you might read a commentary that says something, 
Don't take that as fact unless you can see that in the Bible yourself, okay? It's not about someone else's word. It's about the word of God. So you have to be convinced that what you are seeing is what the Bible actually says. In the next section, we're going to talk about correlation and application. In the last section, we talked about observation and interpretation. So we asked the questions, what does it say? And then what does it mean? So now we're going to talk about correlation. And so the question here is, how does it fit? Now, of course, all of these sections are vitally important. The observation and uh, interpretation phases are crucial. So is the application. But the correlation as well is so, so valuable. What we're doing is we're taking the verse or the passage and we're seeing how it fits into the broader context of the Bible. Now that's really vital because you could observe a passage, you could go through the observation phase on a phrase and you can then see what it means, but without looking at the rest of the Bible, you might end up running into some real issues. It's where the prosperity gospel, remember that kind of name it and claim it, saying that you know if you have enough faith, you'll be rich kind of gospel that is a false gospel comes from. And we want to call out those things that are false because we want to recognize what the Bible is really saying, not just what we sometimes wish it would say. Now, here's the thing. Understanding the broader context of the Bible is really tough. Uh, it's why we've spent a few weeks going through the Bible's big picture. But there are a few methods that we can use to help us get to grips with this. Yeah, so I remember that one way that we were taught to kind of figure out how verses fit within within the big picture of the Bible was to kind of think of it as a ripple effect. So if you can imagine a rock being dropped into a pond and those ripples go out from the center. So the idea is that you kind of zoom in, start in the middle, and then you zoom out to see the big picture. Yep. So you might take a phrase or even just a single word and make sure you know what that word means uh, in its biblical context. And then you look at, yeah, the phrase or the sentence uh, as a whole, and then the paragraph. What is it saying in this paragraph? Often our Bibles are quite helpful in that they have headings that actually weren't in the original Bible, but help us to get a sense of the context. Then we look at the book as a whole and then we check who authored that book. How does it fit with the rest of the, the stuff that they wrote? And then we look at the, the Testament it's in. So for example, if we were looking at Paul's writing, how does it fit with the rest of the New Testament teaching? Or how does it fit in the Bible as a whole? It's a really helpful and important process that we go through. Understanding those things can make a big difference. For example, if we're looking at some of the laws in Leviticus, you might think, well, why don't we follow those anymore? Or why do we follow some and not others? It, or, yeah, why does it say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth when Jesus says something different? Well, it's not that the verses contradict each other. It's that the, the time, time has changed. The context has changed. Jesus came and he built on the law in a new way. And so we have to look at, well, how does that fit with Jesus? In fact, it's really important to read the Old Testament as Christians with the New Testament in mind, with the gospel, the good news of Jesus in mind. So we might read uh, about David's sin as he commits adultery with Bathsheba, and we might think, well, that's, that's it. He's done for. But when you look at the grace of Jesus, and we know that, yeah, he is uh, full of sin. In fact, all mankind was sinful, but because of Jesus, we can be free from sin. And we, so we don't have to undergo quite the same punishments. That's not meaning that 
uh, it's okay to do what he did or to, to act in a way that is wrong. There are consequences to sin, but it means that there is also grace because we are looking at the context of the Old Testament through the lens of the grace of the gospel. So that is the correlation phase. And once we've done that bit, once we've looked at how it fits biblically with the rest of scripture, we then think, how can we apply it? What is the application of this verse? Now, some applications are really easy. For example, if a verse says, do not murder, well, what is the application? Do not murder. Very good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That one's a little bit easy. (laughs) Yeah. When it says, you shouldn't be full of envy or you should you know, love your neighbor as yourself. It's very easy to know what we're supposed to do, but sometimes passages are a little bit more complicated. And so what many preachers will try and do and what you should be doing as a student of the Bible is figuring out how we live in light of the passage that we have read. So what does it mean to be people who turn the other cheek in daily life? At what point do we turn the other cheek and when do we stand up for what we believe in? At the moment, with this uh, COVID-19 stuff, there's a big debate over how much should we obey authority and how much should we still be free to worship? It's, It's a difficult discussion. These are not straightforward things. Knowing how we apply the verses that we have studied is difficult. So that's the last phase. So those are the four phases. Observation, we're asking the question, what does it say? Interpretation, ask yourself the question, what does it mean? Correlation, how does it fit with the rest of the Bible? And application, what do we do as a result? And how do we apply it? And so, friends, that is how we would answer the question, how do we interpret the Bible? Now, let me remind you that this is not the only way to interpret the Bible, and it should go without saying that this is something that needs to be drenched in prayer and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Those things are so important to this. In fact, the whole thing is redundant without it. But this is what we would suggest. Do you have any questions? Do you have any comments or thoughts? Maybe you disagree. Well, do get in touch with us. Uh, Connect with us on the contact form on our website or contact us through social. There's lots of ways to get in touch with us. Next week, we're going to talk about calling and identity. We're going to start a few weeks looking at that. We would love to hear your thoughts. Send us a voice memo or of a question or a thought or a comment. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, it's time for another game. Okay. So the game today got a little bit mixed up. What I was originally thinking was that because we're talking about context and reading the Bible in context, I thought it might be fun to do funny movie quotes out of context and see if you can guess them. But I found out very quickly that what are considered funny movie quotes out of context are always inappropriate. (laughs) So we're not going to do that. Um, But instead, kind of going off topic, but we're just going to do, can you guess this movie quote, this famous movie quote? Okay. So it's just kind of a fun one today. So we're going to start easy, hopefully. Hopefully. Okay. Okay. Can you get this movie from its quote? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. There are options. I can give you the options, but bonus points if you can guess it without the options. Okay. I'm going to guess Peter Pan. 
that's probably right. No, not angels. No. I'm thinking of. What? No, it's a Christmas Pixies. movie. A Christmas movie. I don't know. It's a wonderful life. No, I would Remember never have, the never would have gotten that. Okay. Never mind. Next <laughs> quote. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Mm. You might want the options for this one. The passion. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Is it the usual suspects, Pulp Fiction or Gladiator? I'm going to go with Pulp Fiction. I've yeah, never seen it Yeah, I think I would guess that too. I don't know the answers, but oh no, the usual suspects. What never is that seen even that. about? Never heard of it. Don't know. Okay, next one. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. What? <laughs> okay, when I tell you the options, it makes more sense. Is it Toy Story, Finding Nemo, or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I think. Yeah. Yep. Good job. These are weird. I'm, <laughs> I hope you're doing better than we are at home. Yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness. This one just says, they're here. They're here. Is it the ring, the mummy, or the poltergeist? The, po- the polter. How do you? The poltergeist. Poltergeist. The poltergeist. I'm pretty sure it's the mummy. No, it's the poltergeist. Poltergeist. The poltergeist. Whatever. I've never seen it. Okay. Uh, last one. Can I just say, I haven't seen any of these movies. I thought I'd seen a lot of movies, but yeah, I, know, I haven't seen most of no. these. Okay. <laughs> I'm just one stomach flew away from my goal weight. Ooh. This one's a classic. Is it? Well, I think it's considered a classic. Okay. What are the options? Okay. The Devil Wears Prada, Zoolander, or Mean Girls. Oh, that's tough. But I'm going to go with Zoolander because that's an what? amazing film. No. The Devil Wears Prada. I've never seen it. Have you not? No, I've seen Zoolander. Oh, okay. Well, let's call it there. Yep. Um, I <laughs> hope that was, that was a really obscure quiz. I hope that you did better than we did. Uh, it's kind of random. It um, is random. We, so sorry about that. We like them to be biblically related or at least reinforcing what we've talked about. But sometimes it can't always be that way, right? Yeah. The moral is don't read the Bible out of context like these movie quotes. <laughs> yeah okay great I don't, know. don't read these quotes out of context <laughs> don't read the bible out of context like these movie quotes there you go <laughs> that's the message for today well have a wonderful week we will see you soon to talk about identity and calling bye bye